Well, welcome to the Wisdom and Grace podcast with Giles D. Stevens. I'm your host, Giles Stevens, and this is the place where people come to to learn how to grow in wisdom and experience the grace of God so as to be more fruitful in life and ministry. So welcome once again to our podcast. And today I'm going to be sharing about keys to choosing where to live and invest your life. Absolutely vital. Many of us uh, get to choose where to live and where to invest our time, our energy and our efforts. Um, Me personally, I decided to live in Brazil with my family for this season of life. And I'll be bringing up some of the reasons why I did that. But I hope that my own story will prove to be uh, a guide to you as well. But there are certain principles here uh, that I think can really cement and help you to uh, discern and determine where you should be in your life right now in terms of where you live and where you invest. And so let's get straight into it. Number one, follow the spirit. Now I know that that sounds uh, particularly spiritual, (laughs) perhaps a little bit difficult. You want some more practical answers, but you have to remember that this is the way that believers are led by the Lord. Isaiah 55 and 12 says, for you shall go out with joy and be led with peace or led out with peace. And so we have these two inner sensations, let's say peace and joy, that guide us. And so if you have a sense of increasing peace or joy about something that you're uh, meditating, about something that you're mulling over, something you're discussing perhaps with your spouse or your family, then you can know that that is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit leads us and perhaps the principal way that you have this increasing sense of peace and joy about that decision. And it may seem half crazy to other people, but to you, it's just something that's right. You kind of know it in your knower. I remember when I decided to be, uh, to leave my expat business life in Hong Kong and become a missionary in the Philippines, some people thought I'd lost my mind. Other people thought that I'd taken a really radical step of faith. But for me, it was just another step in the right direction, something that I sensed on the inside that was right for me. I just knew it deep down below. I knew that this was part of the glorious adventure that God had uh, prepared for my life. And I think it's important as well to understand this issue of increasing peace and joy, because sometimes we have good ideas and we're excited about them for a a period of time, but then that that sense of joy dissipates and disappears. But if it's growing on you, if it's increasing, then you can know that that's one of the main ways that the Holy Spirit leads us. It's rather like choosing a marriage partner. Sometimes you get all excited for a season about somebody, but then that seems to wane. But if it grows and grows, you can know that's a good pointer. Okay, and number two then, we need to find our fit. So you've got to find your fit. And what I mean by that is if you look into Psalm 1 and verse 3 with me, the scripture says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, obviously, you want to be in a place where you prosper, where no matter the season, you're producing fruit and your leaf doesn't wither. This is a picture 
of the believer. It's, the, it's how God wants us to be in a fruitful place, in an abundant place. Okay, But the psalmist here is showing us that the key to that is being planted in the right place. Okay, We are the tree, so to speak, but we need to be planted by rivers of water in a place that we can bring forth fruit. And so this is really this really talks about not so much a geographical position, but a spiritual position. A tree needs to be in a place where it can receive water on the one hand and grow fruit on the other. Obviously, the second part is interesting because if you put a tree in a place that uh, has no space to grow, then obviously it won't be as fruitful as it can be. Okay, And likewise, if you plant a tree in an arid place, um, you know, especially depending upon the tree, then it won't grow as it should. So you have to find a place where both those things are happening. You're getting input, but there's space for output. You're receiving rivers of water, which speaks about the anointing. It speaks about life being transferred to you, fresh revelation coming to you, nutrients. So so spiritual input and, and the word of God and the word of faith coming into you. Um, and also of being in a place where you can actually give out. And so I always suggest and advise friends and and fellow brothers, look, you've got to be in a place where you can be learning from others. You can be growing. You can have other people in your life that can input into your life so that every day you're eating fresh manna. Now, obviously, we get manna from studying the Bible ourselves principally and all these things, but it is great to be in a, in a church environment where there are other people around. Uh, maybe it's a senior pastor, maybe it's other brothers who are on a leadership team with you or being part of a cell group where other people are speaking into your life. doesn't really matter, but you need to have that input, not just your personal input. If you can possibly have other people who are edifying you, encouraging you, teaching you, then that's like being planted by rivers of water. Their anointing will pour down upon you, will stir up the gifts in you. And I've talked before about how David would never have got to the place that he did in his life as king of Israel if he had not had a prophet like Samuel to anoint him and to cover him. Okay, and... um, And the same with Elisha and Elijah, that relationship. So Elisha became the prophet that he did because Elijah invested into him. So in a sense, we only fulfill our destiny and fulfill our potential when we're in an environment where where these uh, a discipler, a, a person, a man or woman of God can speak and invest into our lives. So find that spiritual place. But also, as I said, you've got to be in a place where you can bring forth fruit because some church environments don't allow you to. It's kind of like everything's very dominated by the top. Only one person gets to speak or preach or teach or there's sort of nothing else one can do. So you need to find an environment where you can express your gifting as well, where there's room for you to speak out. It's one of the great reasons that I'm a fan of of cell group church, because in that you can have a, a structure where every member can minister, can preach, can teach, can evangelize, can use the gifts of the Spirit. So I believe that you're, if you find the right spiritual place, then you'll find the right geographical place. So don't go after the geographical place first. Find the right spiritual place. And remembering this as well, that if you're only receiving, then you'll slob out. But if you're only giving, then you'll burn out. 
And of course, what I mean by that, I mean, you can use it in the in the physical way, you know, with, with physical food. If you just eat and don't take exercise, then you just become a slob. Um, but likewise, if you're just taking exercise and aren't eating properly, then you're going to tire out and burn out. And of course, the same thing happens spiritually, you know, in, in, in places where you don't get to give out, but you just receive, receive, receive. You receive teaching and preaching the whole time. But the only thing that is required of you or there's space to do is to sort of say amen or give a time. Then you'll tend to become a lazy Christian. Um, but uh, likewise, there are some environments where they just want you to do, 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 do. And you're constantly told to get out and do more. But there's not really much input into your life. And in those places, you'll find you burn out. So you've got to find that balance where you're getting great input, but you can also give out and enjoy uh, uh, teaching what you've learned and giving what you've received. Okay, so number three, do the desires of your heart. Uh, now, this is really interesting in terms of choosing where to live and invest your life. Really, the, the, the question is, you know, what's in your heart to do? And I know that all Christians believe that God wants us to do his will. But um, the question is, do we believe that he wants to do our will? And that's a key question that, that uh, really you have to think upon because the one thing that separates Christianity from all religions and, and the Lord God and Christ, it, you know, it makes him unique, is that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And every other God and every other religion, the, the, the deity demands service. But extraordinarily, this the humility of our God is that he came to be a blessing. He came to save. He came to serve. He came to fulfill the desires of our heart. And it's an extraordinary thought. So as I said, we all understand that God wants us to do his will. Okay. But do we stop and realize that God is so good that actually he wants to do our will? And Psalm 37 and 4 literally says that as we delight in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our hearts. And that's an extraordinary thing. So you really have to look within your own heart and think, what do I really want to do? It's not a bad thing. It, you know, we, we almost feel guilty for thinking that way. But again, the Lord in the Gospels is constantly telling the disciples to ask, to pray, uh, and, and ask him for certain things. And so if you have a desire, put it before the Lord. Now, of course, the Lord might say no. The Lord might shut that door. But he's put his desires in our hearts. And this is another extraordinary thing if you think about it, because we all understand that we've been given a new heart, that we're partakers of the divine nature under the new covenant. So in, in some senses, his heart has become our heart. So his desires are in our desires and our desires are in his desires. So it's all become one and the same thing. So don't feel guilty about having a particular inclination or desire to go somewhere or do something or live in a place or, or, or work in such a manner. You know, if you are passionate about that, that's a good sign that it's from the Lord. Amen. You know, um, the, certainly the devil hasn't put a desire in your heart for you to, you know, to, to do great things for the Lord. And obviously we're not talking about doing s sinful things, you know, but you have a sanctified heart. Okay. 
And so you should run with that. You should think a lot about that. You shouldn't be there doing stuff that you hate doing. There is a moment that you have to carry your cross, of course, to be a disciple of the Lord. And that's when his will, in a sense, crosses with your will. And in those moments, you have to choose his will above your will. So we all understand that. But it doesn't mean to say that you should live in a place where you're constantly miserable and feel like you're, you know, that uh, what you're doing is not what you really want to do. Um, so 1 Samuel 4 and 17, uh, there's an extraordinary story about how Jonathan uh, heads off to battle against the Philistines single-handedly. Um, but to encourage him on, on his way, his armor bearer says to him, do all that is in your heart, go then, here I am with you. And the, the armor bearer here is representative of the Holy Spirit, speaking to Jonathan, who's about to deliver his people from oppression. And again, this is a spiritual, this is a, a physical story that reveals the spiritual realm, how how Jonathan is a deliverer. We're called to be that in Christ Jesus and how the Holy Spirit encourages us. And so what again did the armor bearer say? Do all that is in your heart. So the Holy Spirit is really saying to us, do all that is in your heart. God puts his desires in your heart. Go then, here I am with you. And again, the Holy Spirit says that to us. I will never leave you or forsake you. Do what God's put in your heart to do. You know, I became a, a missionary evangelist simply for that reason. I felt like that and God had called me to that. It, you know, I was filled with peace and joy about that. Um, and I didn't have anyone to sort of go with me. So I felt a bit like Jonathan heading off on my own. But I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, you know, do all that is within your heart. Here I am with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? You know, so if the Holy Spirit is there and the favor of God is upon our lives, then we have the majority. We have guarantee of, of success. All right. So that's number three. Do the desires of your heart. Number four follow dreams and visions and uh, this is vital because again this is a promise of God to uh, believers in Acts chapter 2 you read about how when the Holy Spirit has come upon you that young men shall see visions and old men shall dream dreams so this is one of the workings of the Holy Spirit and one of the ways that the Holy Spirit leads us through literally dreams and visions. And of course, dreams are at night and visions are during the day. Dreams are when you're asleep, but visions are when you're, in a, in a sense, in a state of trance or you're, you're meditating or praying and, and images flood up to your heart and mind that burn within you and you realize that God is speaking to you through those things. And this is one of the ways that God leads us. And it's vital that you get that as well. So often have I been stirred by dreams and visions on the inside that then make me determine what to do on the outside. And that could come also as a sort of prophetic word. I remember years ago, I was walking on the beach in one, on one of the islands of the Philippines and I was staring up at the stars. And suddenly this word just kind of came to me out of nowhere. And it was this. If you want to be a wise man, follow that star. And I was looking up at this bright star in the sky and I just couldn't get away from that thought. If you want to be a wise man, follow that star. Obviously, referring back to, to the three wise men, the Magi who followed the star to Bethlehem and found the, 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 you know, the, the babe of Bethlehem in, in the manger there, the, 
Christ had been born. And so I had this, this thought, this crazy thought, follow that star, follow that star. Now, the Philippines has 7,000 islands. And I was staying in a kind of very basic little village um, on one of the, 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 the beaches there. And I, got, I was traveling those days with a, literally a, a paper map. And I got out my map and I, I, I tracked the star on the map to see which direction it went in. And I put my, my sort of ruler upon the map and I realized that it went through another island some miles away. And then, cutting the story short, I managed to hitch a ride with a local fisherman on a bamboo boat. And I went to that island. And when I got there, I asked, are there any Christian churches here? And there was one. But they told me quite quickly that the pastor of that church was very sick at the point of death. And I remember going to visit him, taken there. Immediately when I walked in, I laid hands on him. And extraordinarily, literally by the laying on of hands... This man was right then and there instantaneously healed, sat up, got out of bed, said, you've been sent by God to heal me. And it was just one of those anointed moments. And this man became a friend of mine. And in fact, some of the youth in his church began to travel with me. And it was just one of those miracle moments. But I'd been led by this vision, by this burning vision of this star and this word burning in my heart. And of course, you know, this is something scriptural in Acts chapter 16 verse 9 and 10 you read about the the apostle paul the scripture says and a vision appeared to paul in the night there stood a man of macedonia and prayed and, and prayed him saying come over into macedonia and help us and after he'd seen the vision immediately we endeavored to go to macedonia assuredly gathering that the lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them so paul was heading east towards india from Antioch but because of this vision in the night uh, of, of the man from Macedonia he heads west towards Europe and in a sense the rest is history that's how the gospel spread out across Europe um, so Paul changed direction because of that dream and so sometimes we have to change direction or you might not have a particular direction or you or it's confirmed for you or you change and you have to be sensitive to these things because it's one of the ways that the Lord gets through to us. Sometimes it's in the night because in a sense we're not thinking of other things. Our days get so filled with, with stuff that we've got to process. But at night your mind rests and relaxes, and the Lord has in a sense more of an opportunity to speak to you. Likewise in Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter the Apostle, he's praying on the top of a, of a roof and he has a vision about eating unclean animals and um, came to him three times, these unclean animals being lowered on a sheet in front of him. And then suddenly knocking at the door was uh, an envoy who had come to find him, to ask him to come and preach in a Gentile house uh, uh, under the, 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 the Gentile house of Cornelius. And so Peter realizes that the vision that he'd seen was a directive from God to go and preach the gospel to these Gentiles. And of course, the unclean animals uh, helped him to understand that these were in the Jewish mind, Gentiles were unclean. And so, but he was to eat them or he was to go into their environment. So this was a direct intervention of God, giving Peter direction to his ministry. And again, the rest is history. That, that started off a revival, a move of God in uh, amongst the Gentile people of which, you know, I am one and you may probably are one. And so thank God that these men of God 
follow the dreams and visions. Okay, number five, be practical. And this kind of follows on from what I've just said because it's interesting that the Apostle Paul was led by the Spirit to go west to Macedonia, which of course is Greece, and then, you know, and then on to Rome and other things. But uh, even though he was led west, okay, um, he still had a, a, a practical or pragmatic mindset in that he focused his attention on big cities like Corinth and Ephesus and later Rome. Uh, why was that? Because he knew that the gospel would spread quicker through established lines of communication, along trading routes and where obviously the general populace was gathered and that tended to be in big cities. And so whilst he had a general direction of going to Macedonia, actually then he chose within that general direction specific places and he used his godly wisdom. He was practical. He walked in the light that he had in order to choose exactly where to be. And so I think this is really important as well. You have to be practical. You have to think, how can I best forward uh, the call of God on my life? How can I reach the most amount of people? How can I be most productive? God has given you wisdom to process that. You know, if you're called to speak to lots and lots of people, if you're called to bigger, build a, you know, a large church, then it's unlikely you're going to do that in a small village, etc. All right. So, uh, uh, you know, you have to be practical about these things. I, I've always been very moved and led by the words of Count Zinzendorf. He was the, the guy from, from Central Europe, which is now uh, Czechoslovakia. Uh, Moravia it was in those days and he led a massive uh, missionary worldwide movement based on the Moravian revival which was a, a hundred year prayer meeting revival anyhow he said the world is the field and my country is the place I can win the most souls for Christ and so literally he was like saying look I'm gonna go I don't you know I'm I'm not a I'm not a Moravian I'm not a whatever a European the world I'm, I'm I'm somebody of this world I'm a human being and I'm gonna I'm gonna focus my ministry where I can win the most souls for Christ and I think this is vital you know we are all citizens of a holy nation it's not that I'm British and you're American or Australian or Brazilian or whatever it is you know once you're in Christ you become part of a new nation a holy nation and we know that God so loved the world it doesn't just want to make one nation great you know in the sense of one earthly nation no and so every human being counts every soul has the same value and so we need to in a sense forget our national our nationalities our worldly nationalities and see the world as one harvest field and then determine uh, you know where we can be most effective and honestly speaking it's probably the main reason I'm down here in Brazil because I realized even though I was based in the UK uh, over recent years I realized that in this season of life I can win more souls for Christ down here and I can equip more churches and believers so we've got to use that practical wisdom that light that we have have to make decisions as well okay and number six go to where you are celebrated and not to where you are tolerated. That's one of the great principles of life. And of course, you know, you can see that being played out in the life of the prodigal son. 
the great story of that, how he spent all his father's inheritance on prodigal, uh, wasteful living and ended up in the pigsty and then came to his senses, the Bible says, and realized that in his father's house that even the servants had more to eat than he did in the pigsty and he headed home. And of course, as soon as he got home, he was celebrated. His father ran down that dusty road, embraced him, reclothed him, put shoes, sandals on his feet, put the ring on his finger and killed the fatted calf to celebrate his return. And uh, so there's a direct comparison here between, you know, being tolerated as, uh, you know, on a pig farm by a pig farm owner or being in the place where your father celebrates your presence. And of course, where you're celebrated, you're always going to thrive more. So don't stick around where people don't really want you. They just put up with you. Determine where you're celebrated, where people really like you, where they love you, where they appreciate your gift, because that's the place you're going to flourish more in. And of course, this uh, uh, principle is played out in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ himself uh, in the Gospel of Matthew 13, verse 54, going forward. The scripture says that when he came to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that, so that they were astonished. Okay, so he'd gone back to Nazareth, his own country, his own people. But the people there said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. They, they got upset at him. That's extraordinary. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. In fact, he actually heads out of town rather than sticks around. So Jesus practiced this principle of not sticking around people who just tolerated him, but he went to places where he was celebrated. And it's really interesting this uh, what happened there because the locals in Nazareth they didn't see him as the son of God they saw him as the son of man where did this man get this wisdom they asked they said you look this is the carpenter's son so they saw them and saw him as a son of a carpenter but not the son of the most high and certainly in ministry if people only treat you naturally they don't realize that God has anointed you for a specific purpose that he's given you light and revelation and and literally anointing power to be a blessing into people's lives if people just see you as Giles Anthony's son or my mate from school then they're never really going to draw from you they're never really going to learn from you they're going to you know they're going to put up with you they can be a mate they can be a buddy but you're not really going to flourish in ministry you want to be around where people in a place where people appreciate your gift they sit at the feet your feet to learn from the wisdom that you've received from on high and in that environment you know, you're going to flourish so much more. So again, you need to choose. Don't be around people who tolerate you. Go to a place where people really appreciate you, celebrate you, excited when you walk into the room, okay? And of course, that's the place where you're going to be able to do many more mighty works because people have faith instead of unbelief like these Nazarenes. Jesus couldn't do great works there because of their unbelief. It wasn't that he was less anointed there. No, it's just that people didn't draw on the anointing. And the same with you, okay? So again, one of the reasons I'm here in Brazil is because people draw on the anointing that I have here. And that means that I flourish and everybody flourishes together. So go to where you're celebrated, not to where you're tolerated. And finally, and this is the absolute 
key or the golden key. I'm going to give it as a conclusion. Rest in the Lord no matter what. And the reason I say that is that maybe you don't get to choose where you live and invest your life. Um, Most of us do, but some of us don't. And one of the classic Bible stories is that of Joseph. Okay, he didn't get to choose. He was sold as a slave by his brothers, ended up in Egypt, became a servant in Potiphar's house and later a prisoner in Pharaoh's prison. Okay, but the Bible says that uh, God was with him. Okay, and the favor of the Lord was with him. And that meant that no matter where he went, no matter in a sense what opposition he faced, no matter how far the devil tried to push him down, because God was with him, he always rose up. Hallelujah. And in fact, when he met with his brothers some years later, uh, and he reveals himself now as the prime minister of Egypt, the most powerful man under Pharaoh, a picture of Christ at the right-hand side of God, giving food to the nations. Uh, but Joseph, he realized, and he told, tells his brother in Genesis 48 and 5, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. So you can see here that he realized that God's hand was behind the hand of man. So even if you don't get to choose, understand that whatever you, whatever happens to you, if other people, uh, 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 their decisions force you to go in certain direction, that won't stop you fulfilling your destiny. You can always be in the right place at the right time because of the grace and the favor of God upon your life. So thank you very much for listening today. I'm going to stop at the half hour mark. Um, I pray that this has helped you to choose where to live and invest your life. So let's go and share these things with the world, one revelation and one person at a time. God bless you. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. And we like to finish with an opportunity for people to give their lives to Christ. And if you've never done that before, say these words after me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. And I thank you for a new heart and a new start. Amen. And we believe that you've now been born again. And we encourage you to join a Christ-centered church in your area. God bless you. To acquire more teachings to help you grow in wisdom and grace, check out our website, thegreatmission.org, where you can order paper copies or Kindle versions of inspiring materials, such as There's a Miracle Coming Your Way. Finally, we would also ask you to consider becoming a partner of TGM, The Great Mission. Through a network of missionary evangelists, we are holding events in Asia, Africa, and South America to get the gospel of grace and word in action to hundreds of families every month. We hold grace festivals where multitudes of needy people have received food parcels and been transformed by the message of God's goodness and grace. By becoming a monthly partner, you can be part of a worldwide harvest of souls. Thanks for your consideration. 